Okay, today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 36 and chapter 37. In Genesis chapter 36, we're not going to be reading that today. Genesis chapter 36 is strictly just the genealogy of Esau, who was the twin brother of Jacob, now known as Israel. But in Genesis chapter 35... That was an interesting chapter as as Jacob was uh, called to return back to Bethel as he had gone to some places where he shouldn't have gone. And at that time, he had some interesting stories to, to follow at that. He had his very last son by the name of Benjamin. And at the birth of his son Benjamin, who was the youngest of his twelve, uh, sons was was the one that was known as the son of the right hand, and unfortunately, during the birth of this this last son, his wife Rachel had passed away. So Jacob had some had some grieving to deal with as of the loss of his wife, but he had the gaining of a son. So what we're going to be looking at now is a very interesting story. As some years have gone by. Some stories of, of family deceit and family struggles and so on and so forth. Most likely beyond what most have dealt with, but maybe some, uh, some things that some could relate with. We could relate it as the form of jealousy and so on and so forth. Which will go hand in hand with Jacob's life. Genesis chapter 36, as I mentioned, was, was regarding the genealogy of his brother Esau. Esau had passed away, and what they did was they gave strictly the, the genealogies, quite, quite a long chapter actually. 36, chapter 36 has uh, 43 verses in regards to a lot of names of people among the Edomite nation, which was in Jordan. This was the, the re- region that Esau was in charge of, basically, who founded this region, this jagged, rugged, red desert in the middle of uh, uh, Jordan, which was called Edom, which means red. And unfortunately, the genealogy wasn't exactly a, a genealogy of... of uh, of anything very good, uh, because the Edomites, again, were very bitter um, enemies of those of Israel. And so we have chapter 36 consisting just strictly of that. Uh, if you want to read the names and so on and so forth, there were people who, who were uh, sons of him, uh, the chiefs of, of the tribe. Uh, you had kings of Edom, and you had chiefs of Esau, and so on and so forth. But again... A lot of the nations outside of what was the promised land, which is what we we know as Canaan at this time, is what we're reading in Genesis. It's going to be soon changed into Israel pretty soon as, as the years will go by. Um, the Edomites, again, were, were a paganistic and very uh, evil uh, culture of that day. So we're going to be observing, for the most part, chapter 37 mostly. And this is the story of Joseph, who is the second youngest of the twelve. And and Joseph was a, he was quite the young man. Uh, He happened to have been Jacob's favorite out of the whole, out of the whole group. And so, we're going to see some things that, again, in regards to jealousy, and in regards to things that a lot of people can relate with, unfortunately. Especially maybe some that had large families of, of numerous children. Okay, 12 sons, and then they also had a daughter. Dinah, who was, who was the daughter as well. So, there was, a, there was a large family involved here. So, we're going to be uh, looking at first, verses 1 through 11 in chapter 37, if you have your Bible with you. 
and I'll start us off as it says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a, a bad report to them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood also around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this your dream that you have dreamed? You, shall your mother and I come and, and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So Joseph, is again, was the second youngest of the twelve. In the twelve tribes, at seventeen years old, he was given a vision through a dream. A vision of the future, of his status in life. A status of leadership, and amongst his family even. Uh, normally that would be given to the oldest son, which would be Reuben in this case. Reuben was the, was the oldest, but Reuben was not chosen by God. Perhaps due to his, uh, his actions of a sexual relationship that he had with his father's concubine. But, Joseph was the favorite of the twelve sons by their father, Jacob, now known as Israel, but most hated by his brothers. And perhaps it wasn't wise to brag about such things to his older brothers. <laughs> you know, but, you know, again, being 17 years old, we guys couldn't help, uh, help not to at those uh, teenage years to brag about such a thing. But, you see, wisdom wasn't always a strong suit at that age. In these days when a father died, a son would be put in the, in the place of leadership within the family. And this is how Jacob and Esau became enemies and divided here. Who, who, who would want to be under the youngest sibling? It was a sense of pride from the older ones, of course. Maybe it goes against the rite of passage outlook in cultures around the world, but as he was Jacob's favorite, the reason it was going to happen was because simply he was chosen by God. The tunic of many colors was like a robe. Um, many wore tunics all the time. Ones who worked outdoors had them where they were shorter in length. Okay, the, the sleeves were shorter, allowing them to labor without it getting in the way. But you see, the one that Joseph visioned was that of full length in arms and in uh, length and so on and so forth, touching the floor, which was a signifying that that the garment that he is the, the garment that he's wearing is he's the leader. You know, you look at king's robes. They were worn in that same fashion as well. You didn't see their robes with, with their sleeves shorter or that their robes were uh, in the length of knee height or so on and so forth, which was what a lot of people wore back in those days in tunics for labor. We, we see a transition of favoritism. 
leading to division, which was Jacob's young life to his family now. See, Jacob's father, now we, as we know as Israel, I keep referring to Jacob, but Israel's father favored Esau. His mother favored him. And what came from that? Well, simple, it was destruction. Yes, people have strong feelings for someone, but our actions will, will be what scars their lives or, or preserves it. You know, showing favoritism is not a blessing. People say that God favored Jacob over Esau. Well, God is knowing of all things in us. Esau became everything that God disapproved of. God is merciful, as he is all-knowing. So the thing is, is we must trust in him and follow him for the sake of not just our lives, but the sake of our eternities. And we're going to see why we need God more by what we're going to see in these next verses here. Looking at verses 12 to 22. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and went out to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was, wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say that some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and, and do not lay a, la- a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back forth to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. So jealousy is such a terrible problem as we see. It was jealousy which was the cause of not only the first recorded murder in mankind's history, but it was upon a brother when Cain killed his Abel, his own brother, which was over jealousy. Reuben, being the oldest, you know, stepped in to prevent the blood on their own hands, but instead came up with a plan B. Of, of we may not have to murder him, let, it, let him die in the pit. So when he got to Shechem, he was told that he heard them going to Dothan, which was around 20 miles north of where he was at at the time. So he traveled a distance as uh, as he was about 90 miles from their home. And interesting enough, him being in Shechem was the very place of a family downfall for his brother and sister Dinah, which is where his... sister got into trouble at but you see the resentment showed as they sarcastically said hey look here comes the dreamer before the plot to actually kill him to hear this Lord willing should bring a form of heartbreak to us 
you know, on my own behalf, if there is something that I've always despised, it's, it's that of favoritism from a human and parental standpoint. Uh, the destruction that it causes in families, which was to be the nucleus of our society, is instead causing the form of today a downfall of societies around the world. Uh, we would see major improvements in our societies that made a difference, rather than causing a downfall by the acts of jealousy and favoritism. It's bad enough that divisions are had by these things, but the murder of a brother is another depth of darkness that only the devil can orchestrate here. Uh, the book of James, chapter 4, verse 1, speaks volumes. It's always spoken to me where it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Uh, do they not come from your desires, which are pleasures that worry in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. By murdering Joseph, you know, who would have been next out of the eleven to be plotted against? Yeah, I wonder if any of them ever thought about that. Because as, as they wanted to rid of the future leader of the family, someone would have had to take the position. So I wonder who lost the most sleep in that band of brothers there. For not one of them to, to says a lot, not one of them says a lot about them in the, in the most negative outlooks. But let's see what happens in verse 23. In verse 23 to 28, it says, And it came to pass that Joseph had become to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. And then they lifted their eyes and looked. And there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm and myrrh, on their way to carry them to, down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. The Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. The account of Joseph was a comparison or uh, a typology of that of Christ Jesus, is what we'd like to call, consider it. You know, Jesus was despised and betrayed by Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. We have Joseph here, who was uh, sold for 20 shekels of silver. You know, it was Judah that suggested the sale of Joseph, as it was Judas that did so to Jesus. Yet, Judah was the tribe that our Lord and Savior would come from, and the irony of all this. As a younger man reading this, we just take it for granted we may we may even think like man that was pretty bad and then we move on to the next chapter like it was nothing but you see i had to pause here and picture these brothers roughing him up and pulling his tunic off and throwing him in a pit as they sat near as they sat nearby eating together and, and they very well could have been hearing the cries and the pleas from the pit that they threw him in after all, he was 17 years old. Interestingly, it was Judah that spoke up to spare his life. But plan B was simply more of a lesser of two evils, if you look at it. But God calls us to be the never of two evils. Not the lesser, but the never of two evils. The never of any evil came from the tribe of Judah, Christ Jesus. The exception and the rule. 
Now, I don't like spoiling stories for first-time listeners, but you see, God had a glorious ending for Joseph. Yes, people do horrible, rotten things. But thanks be to God who cleans them up and blesses beyond measure to those who are wronged. See, may we observe this and be more compassionate in life. Because if, if there was something that God put on my mind about this, was how could it come to this? Joseph was 17 years old. He, he was the second youngest of his brothers. Ten older brothers. I can imagine that the older brothers held him as a baby when he was born. They watched over him as a child. They played with him in their younger years, protected him. But just to now hear him in his cries and his plea for his life to his own brothers. You know, I, I've said in the past that if you want to see someone's true colors, you know, you, you could flash money at them or positions of power at someone. Or you take money or you take a position of power from someone and they will show you their true colors. See, Joseph was given a tunic of many colors. But the brothers showed their colors, which were not of jo on Joseph's tunic. The colors of gloom, colors that have no substance because they weren't seen because because they were seen right through, is unfortunately what was being seen here. See, throughout the Bible, we've had so many family disputes, and it started with Cain and Abel from the beginning of time. Where Cain was, was offering gifts to God that were not approved of. Abel was offering the gifts of approval. But God told something to Cain that I never forgot. There was something that I highlighted in my Bible. That if you, if you do well, then will not good continue to happen for you. But if you do not do well, then sin lies at your door. And that's something that always stuck with me. That from the beginning of time, God spoke this to the very first murderer of the world who happened to murder his own brother. But yet, God's tune has never changed. God, God never has said anything any different throughout the whole Bible. Throughout the New Testament, through any time now, that anything was to be any different. Even talking to my teenage son... I told him one day, I said, hey, do you know, do you know how to really get away with something in, in life when, 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 you, uh, when you're about to do something wrong? <laughs> Don't do it at all. Don't do it at all is the greatest way. Will you be blamed for things? Absolutely. There's going to be lies. There's going to be deceit. And if we've lived long enough, we've all been a part of such things. But... When you do something and pay for it, there's a double dose of torture. There's something in within your soul and your spirit, that in your conscience, that is torturing you along with the punishment. Now granted here, Joseph is being punished for something he didn't do. But see, God's hand is going to be on him, as I said, the spoiler alert here. I want to make sure that those who are listening for the first time don't hear such stories and then close the Bible and say, well, this is what God is about. I want nothing to do with him. No. God is a God of mercy, but God is also sovereign in all things. Nobody gets away with anything. So let's go ahead and take a look here at what happens in verse 29 to 36. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? 
So they took Joseph's tunic and killed a kid of goats and dipped the tunic in the blood. When they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their fathers and said, We have found this t- this tunic. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I shall go down to the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, and a captain of the guard, which is the end of chapter 37. What happened to Joseph, you know, was slightly a reflection of what was done with Jacob's brother Esau when they were younger. You know, Jacob was to receive, or Esau was to receive the birthright and the family blessing, but Isaac was going to give it to Esau. Or Jacob was to receive it, okay? Jacob was to receive it, but Isaac was going to give it to Esau due to the favoritism. But their mother, Rebecca, heard Isaac and Esau and helped Jacob plan a scheme to receive the blessing as Isaac was practically blind and on his deathbed. See, Esau was a hairy guy. Jacob was smooth-skinned. And Isaac asked Esau to go and hunt some game and cook it up and bring it to him and I will give you the blessing. So Rebecca cooked a goat and she cut the hair off and attached it to Jacob's arms. So that way when Isaac felt Jacob's arms, he would think that it was Esau. See, they pulled it off. And when Esau found out, he said that he was going to kill his brother. Jacob flees back to Rebekah's home in Haran in Iraq. Now look at the similarity. Family jealousy. Favoritism. Both utilized the killing of a goat for the coverings of a lie. Deceit. And now a brother is dwelling in another land. Jacob's deceitful actions fell into a similar category within his own family. Which is why it's important to watch what we do in life, as patterns tend to follow from sinful actions. You know, Joseph will be in for a culture shock here in Egypt. As at this time, it was a flourishing nation at this time, but very highly educated, very sophisticated in certain aspects. But the biggest of all will be the worship and emphasis of numerous gods that will be experienced in Egypt. But you see, God... The true God will have a purpose for Joseph there as well, which we're going to see in some chapters ahead. So do not close the book right here in disappointment. But Jacob is now living with the thought that his beloved son is dead. And by that he tore his clothes and he put sackcloth on, which was a a cultural way of mourning. And we're going to be seeing that go on throughout the Bible as, uh, as there was things that caused much mourning, but even even the later on in, in the Jews and the ancient Near Eastern cultures would do this. You know, the mourning was due to always a form of, normally a form of death or of trial in someone's life. Jacob here was unconsolable over Joseph. As we observe stories of pain, deceit and suffering... We have a way to defeat deceit and pain and suffering. 
And that is through receiving Christ Jesus who paid all of those prices for our sins. See, I will never tell anyone that they will not have pain and suffering in life. But I will say that you will have a loving source that can ease pains as we go through. And that source paved the way to heaven for us where pain and suffering will be no more. Christ Jesus died for you and knows you in every way. But the question is, is how well do we know Him and do we want to know Him? See, the comfort and consoling of other people is great, but it's temporary. Only Christ Jesus can help you and I through these things. The power of our Lord he gives us the, the power and the ability to be consoled because we have a greater and a bigger picture to look at. See, the Lord said to his disciples in, his, in the gospel before he, was dying, before he was to die on the cross, he told them, he says, Hey, where I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And heaven, in in that sense, is many dwelling places. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. You can almost picture, if you have children, you can almost picture that you knew that you were having a boy or you were having a girl. So you were decorating that bedroom. You were painting it in those colors. You were decorating it with those particular toys. It was being set up for that particular child that was coming home as their dwelling place amongst their loved ones and family. And see, that's what the Lord is doing as well. He's preparing a place for us. Preparing a place for us in eternity where we will no longer have to suffer. But while we're here, we will have to experience things in life. We will experience deceit. We will experience certain things. These are things that are, that are just a part of life. But again, we have an advocate. And we have a savior. And the greatest thing that we could ever do is be a part of that advocate and that savior. And there's only one way to do that, and which is to receive him in our hearts as Lord and Savior. So if you felt that the Spirit has called you after hearing this message, this very hard message, and you can say to yourself, I I know what this is like. I've been hated by my siblings. I've been hated by many people around me. Well, so was our Lord Jesus Christ. He was hated by more people than ever. They They were celebrating as he was being crucified, as they wanted him crucified. But you see, he knew he was having to be crucified and willingly did it for us. Why not want to be a part of somebody like that that can bring us into a heavenly existence? I want to give the opportunity right now, if you feel led, to receive him in truth by a simple prayer. And you can repeat after me, Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you to receive me into your kingdom when my time is up, Lord. I thank you for dying on that cross for me and my sins. For, Lord, you are my Lord and my Savior, and you are my Father now. 
as Lord as I accept you into my heart, Lord. And I thank you for having me, Lord, as a child of yours. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Well, as always, the greatest thing you can do is receive the Lord as, as your Lord and Savior. So I pray that, that you will be following Him all of your days. And may we remember that we can't do anything outside of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So may you be a devout follower of His. May God bless and keep you always. God bless you.